Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always fright. Welcome to the greatest Welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to an all-new live episode of the show, where tonight we're going to be discussing my film pick of the week, Victor Crowley, from 2017 and directed by Adam Green. But before that, as always, you know, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the ghoul D. Keith. Hello, 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 everybody. What is going on tonight? What is going on indeed? We hope that uh, you shut off the Republican National Convention just to tune in to this episode of the show where we got a whole lot of gore, a whole lot of guts, and a whole lot of good stuff to talk about. Um, we're waiting on the dean. That's, I believe he'll be along shortly. That's not true. Oh, Don't push your political oh. rhetoric on people. Listen, oh, everybody stop. should be informed, okay? You can totally listen to this show tomorrow. If you want to watch the RNC, go right on ahead. It's always best to see both sides of everything and make your own fucking decisions. Uh, but I would have said the same thing about the DNC, though. I, I don't I don't support politics at all. So if we were going on while DNC was on, I would say turn that off, too. It's not important. We were, go- important, not we were going on while the DNC was on, and you didn't say it last week. So I missed see? it. That's why. I just completely just missed over it. But I've just been seeing so many commercials for the RNC. I'm like, okay, I guess that's this week. I could have sworn the DNC was over the weekend. I thought it wrapped up real quick. Man, I did not fall apart. It was all last week, man. <laughs> AOC endorsed Bernie Sanders. There was all kinds of stuff that went on over there. Well, really? Oh, wow. See, this is what I miss. I just, like I said, I just, I tried to tune it out. I mean, I, I think I told you and, and the others on group chat that once I shut out politics, like, fucking life is so great. Like, once I shut off CNN and Fox News and all that other bullshit, I was like, man. Life is pretty fucking rad when you think about it. And you don't have all the bullshit being thrown at you daily. You are not wrong, my friend. You are not wrong. So, you know what? Again, let us continue forward because this is not the place for it. <laughs> no, that's it. That's, that's the rhetoric. I don't follow it on people's Um But while we're waiting on uh, the Dean to pop in, uh, I did actually buy a copy of The Walk of the Living Dead, the George A. Romero book uh, that was actually written by Daniel Krauss. Uh, Romero had died before the book even could be started. So he just had a bunch of notes laying around Daniel Krauss, uh, who was a fan, who's written uh, The Color of Water. Yeah, he co-wrote that with uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro. So I'm currently about 100 pages into that book and uh, not going too well. Very slow, unfortunately. I was kind of hoping it would be a lot better, but yeah, very slow. I'm sorry about that, man. That is a total drag. You know, again, like I said, I know the cool girl was uh, having the same problem with Midnight Sun or whatever the hell that that mm-hmm. new book is called with Edward's perspective and uh, from the, uh, the Twilight movies or the Twilight series of books. Sorry, and I forget that it was a book series <laughs> before a movie. Um, yeah. But uh, but yes, so she uh, she didn't she stopped. She 
not even finishing it at this point. So there's probably a better chance of me reading the book through its entirety. You might. You might finish it before she ever does. I mean, I know with my copy, I keep it at home because it's like 656 pages. It's very heavy. I don't want to carry it with me to work, so I just leave it at home. But that's the funny thing. I haven't even finished uh, The Living Dead yet. I'm only 100 pages in, and I already ordered another book because, of course, I was drunk on Saturday, and I happened to do Amazon mm. shopping, and I, found, and I found out they have the the Halloween 4 Ultimate Novelization by Nicholas Grabowski with all this edited stuff in there. And it was only like $24. So, yeah, I immediately hit buy, and it should be coming tomorrow. I guarantee you I'm going to finish that book faster than I finish The Living Dead, which is sad because I'm a huge Romero fan. But, yeah, I, I think uh, it'll be a quicker read and more enjoyable. But, yeah, that's what I get for being drunk on Saturday night and not being able to trust myself with a credit card. <laughs> yeah, well. That'll do you, man. That'll do you. I, uh, I've been good with just about everything, so I've just been trying to avoid spending in any way. Yeah, yeah obviously I can't not spend anything, but I've been, been real good about uh, keeping my, my levels lower than they were. I wish I did this well at the beginning of the summer. I would have a hell of a yeah. lot more money right now. Yeah, it, it seemed like it was going to be going that way, and it didn't quite turn out for myself either because a lot of the extra cash that I got from the quarantine, a lot of it would just go into my bills and my rent. I would pay like two months at a time. You know, I, I didn't really think too selfishly, um, but I did get a couple things. I don't want to say I was completely unselfish. I mean, I did buy a couple of the, the uh, NECA figures uh, for my collection, but, I, you know, I wasn't going out and buying big screen TVs and sound bars and, and gaming consoles. I was trying to keep it, you know, between twenty and thirty dollars if I treated myself to something. It's not like to be sensible mm-hmm. like this. Well, I uh, I should have bought a lot of cocaine. No, just kidding. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know where the, I don't know where the summer went or where my money went, but you know, there's only so much of everything that I have. It's always like that, uh, unfortunately. You know, your money disappears. You have no idea where it goes, and then you slowly start piecing it together. But you still don't get to. Uh, but we're not a, a finance podcast either, so unfortunately. I think, I think I think DoorDash stole a lot of my fucking money, man. A lot of uh, a lot of ordering out at the beginning of the uh, the summer, just because mm-hmm. just oh. beat and tired, and and that was that. It's kind of amazing how much money I've spent on DoorDash as well. That's because it's so easy. You know, it's like oh, I don't have to get up and go to Burger King. I could just go on to DoorDash and buy it for myself. Like okay. Then you just order way too much food, and then it just sits in your fridge. And like, yeah, no, shouldn't have just done that. Should have just been sensible and gone out and just got myself a burger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that that's that's the real problem. You know what I mean? But it's not like we're far from any of these places. We're just lazy. We're just like, hey, you know what? We're gonna go take a ride, and, uh, and no, no. Instead, we're like, we're gonna stay home. Let them deliver it to us. It's just better that way. <laughs> well, and plus, you know, with DoorDash, you don't have to tip either. I mean, you could do the tip when you buy it, but you don't actually have to have extra cash on you. Like in the old days when you would order pizza and you had to make sure that you had a couple bucks to tip the driver. Now it's like, no, man, it's all through the app. I got to get tipped either way. I'm not going to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it all depends on what kind of tipper you are, though, too. You know, see, for me, I'm a... And I tend to, to tip big, you know, even for deliveries, just because I've been there. I know what it's like. And 
mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's nothing worse than, like, I have a, a buddy who still does delivery work, and he says sometimes, you know, go fucking make a delivery, and somebody will give him a dollar, two dollars, and it's like, man, that ain't even covering the fucking gas room to get to your house, assholes. So, like, if you're going to tip a motherfucker, tip him right. Don't be a cheap fuck. Next yeah, I, I've seen that. Uh, yeah, checking out. At least you can get like a percentage up. You know, where it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't understand who's tipping like five percent. Like, I don't even know why that's an option. You know, on DoorDash, you should be tipping more because of the fact that these guys have to go out of their way to pick up your food and bring it to you in a quarantine you know, type of state. Yeah, I, I definitely think that they deserve to be tipped pretty well for going out and doing something that you can easily do on your own. Yeah, well, don't get me wrong. Listen, you know, the fact is, if the person does a bad job, you know, that's the negative. If a person, you know, does a shitty job of delivery, like what happened for me yesterday, um, you know, we ended up, or was it the night before? Whichever night it was, we had uh, ordered some uh, some Cold Stone ice cream um, down the road. And, you know, the guy came, came and delivered it. And... You know, we have two doors here. We have the side door for the house, which is the one we always use. It's right in the driveway. You walk right up, boom, up the stairs, right in the door. And then there's the front door. Now, you know, we have used the front door. We've used the front porch before. But, like, currently right now, we have our bicycles are all up there. Like, there's no way to even get out that doorway to get to anything. But there, Mm -hmm. too, is a porch there with steps. And then there's, like, you know, a bit of a, a concrete walkway and all that. This fucking guy comes with ice cream, mind you, looks at the two fucking mm. doors, decides that he's going to head towards the front door, and then doesn't even put it on the front porch. He just puts it on the concrete walkway. So now, you know, instead of being able to oh just my open my door and get my fucking ice cream, i got to walk out right. my door, walk all the way around the front of the fucking house just so I can get to the walkway, you know? And this motherfucker already had his tip. So it didn't matter. I couldn't change the tip right. based on his fucking, you know, his shitty thing. But at least with DoorDash and shit like that, you can, you know, you can give him a shitty rating. And that's exactly what that motherfucker got. Normally I give I give him all five stars, man. That, that motherfucker got one. You know what? No. If you're not going to no. deliver it to the right door, man, you're an asshole. And fucking so deserved. Because I, I had that uh, a couple months ago with DoorDash where I actually got a $12 credit because of how much I bitched about the guy that dropped off my food. Because in my apartment building, you have the outer door to go into the inner door where all the apartments are. Um, and then you could go up into whatever apartment you have to get to to deliver or whatever. This guy just left the food outside on the sidewalk and then just bounced. But he took a picture where he left it so I knew where to find it. So I just I complained to DoorDash if you wouldn't believe me. I mean, this guy Thank left it on the you. sidewalk. <laughs> you know, it was cold as shit. You know, anybody could have taken it. I was like, what the fuck is this guy's problem when I told him to bring it upstairs? And he didn't do any of that. So they're like, oh, no, we're sorry. Here's a $12 credit. I was like, well, good. I mean, because he's getting, he's getting a one star. If it was possible to get zero stars, I would. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, they, they credited me the one time we had gotten friendlies because they fucked up my order pretty royally. And uh, we mm, had, uh, yeah. you know, again, I put, in the, I put in the complaint for it, explained exactly why. And they were like, yep, no, here's a credit for it. And you're good to go on your next order. Um, well, no you know what? Uh, Don't question. The, uh, yes, it literally took seconds for them to do it too. I was like, I was like, yes, thank you. You guys are fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I miss friendly food. There's a friendly down the street from me, um, and I keep meaning to go there to get food because I do miss friendly. They do like their food, so I might have to go there this weekend 
and you don't pick up a you know a fribble and a burger. I do miss it, but um, I don't know if it's just a local thing here. But you know, again, they used to be on the DoorDash here. Now they're not. So I don't know if they hmm. uh, they just decided to stop or, or what. But they uh, they're no that's longer available through DoorDash for us. Yeah, that's why I said I'm gonna have to check that out this weekend because I might order from DoorDash for Friendly Seven. Had it uh, like since I was a teen. Uh, but since the dean isn't here just yet, I guess he's still dealing with his tech issues. I wanted to get into some uh, things to talk about. Uh, so, but since it's just me and you for right now, so what happens I want to talk about what happens when he has a fancy ass fucking, you know, speaker <laughs> setup, a microphone setup. Yeah, and my shit looks like my shit looks <laughs> like a professional radio station. Ooh, it don't work like a professional radio station either, doesn't it? Yeah, sorry, I just use headphones in my phone, and I'm good, but. Uh, I'm going to bring him on in just a second, but I wanted to talk to you about the Batman, Matt Reeves, the trailer that came out, uh, the teaser, just over the, the weekend, I believe. I've got a chance to watch it. You did. So I wanted to get your thoughts first on it because I'm kind of on the eh, on the fence side of things. And I know that you said that it had potential, and I wanted to kind of banter a little bit about that before the Dean gets in the harness. I uh, personally, again, you know, I, uh, I've... I think I've been fair as far as my, my levels of criticism towards the DC movie universe. Um, oh, I'd agree, yeah. yeah. You know, I think, uh, you know, most people would probably mark me as a Marvel fanboy. Uh, you know, as far as comic yeah. books went, that was, my, that was my skew. That was where I went. Um, you know, I stayed with Marvel Comics more than I ever went towards DC Comics. Uh, as far as the films go, though, you know, I, uh, I just like good movies. And I find that I, I have more entertainment out of the Marvel films than I do out of the current DC films up until certain points. Mm. Uh, are there things about the current roster of DC movies that I've enjoyed? Yes. There are also things that are tedious and boring and just poorly scripted, poorly paced. Unfortunately, it's bad. The, the, the worst possible setup imaginable. They blew too many loads way too fast. Um, that being said, I am enjoying the notion of what looks like a complete reboot and restarting of the DC universe in a way that will actually make sense. Um, yes, I mm-hmm. thought the Batman trail, I thought their whole entire weekend was great. I guess they did their whole thing on Saturday, fandom or whatever it was called. Yeah. Um, I watched what a lot they of showed all had a lot of potential to it. And the, the Matt Reeves, Batman, you know what? Look, everybody always has something to say about every single person that's going to play Batman until they play Batman. And then it's either they love him or they don't. Um, I think from what they're showing, this looks like it's got the darkness of a Tim Burton-esque Batman universe, but mixing it with the serious reality tone of the Nolan universe. And that is a really nice place to strike. If they can hit that perfect center where they give you that, that over the top, a bit gothic, but not comedic, but still Mm -hmm. be able to deliver a great, like deeper societal message of what one man's mission might be against what he perceives as the evil in his city then that's exactly what you're looking to get with Batman. That's, that's what you want. You know, as far as Pattinson goes, look, they didn't show enough really to give us anything on him. He's a good-looking dude. He's of, you know, the age in which he can play the role right now. 
Yeah, you know, I'm hoping that we get Lighthouse Pattinson. You know, not Edward Pattinson. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. See, that's a, that's the thing, and, and I mentioned it to you when I first talked about it. It's just that it didn't it didn't look bad. I don't want to say the Batman trailer looked bad because it didn't. There was a couple of moments in that trailer, like seeing Colin Farrell as Penguin, and it's just a snapshot. Like it's not even I'd a long scene. It's literally like missing. I didn't yeah. even know like you did. just. <laughs> I know. I had to literally pause it when I first saw it. I'm like, oh, that's fucking Colin Farrell. That's the Penguin. I thought the car looked fucking badass. Like, and I was critical of the car when I first saw it. Yeah. And Robert Pattinson, it's just, I'm going to wait and see. That's pretty much my attitude. Like, I'm going to wait and see. I'm not going to complain about it just yet. I mean, do I think he looks a little bit too thin? Yeah. But that's just Robert Pattinson. You know, the suit looked decent. I liked it. But at the same time, yeah, I, I can't start throwing stones at the glass house that is the Batman. Until I get a better trailer than I actually not, see it. And he said he's not bulking up for the role. You know, he's just simply right. going yeah. to to deliver how he's going to deliver. And I'm fine with that. It's not like Michael Keaton got huge. He didn't get ripped to yeah, play nope. Batman. Nope. You know, the idea no, is that the suit is going to fill that in. So, you know what? If Robert Pattinson can pull off the moves and look, you know, somewhat convincing while doing it and let stuntmen and special effects and all that other thing, like, kick into place, then then I'm happy with it, you know? But, you know, he doesn't need to get ripped for it. You know, I like the idea that we've got the Riddler. I like the, the hint of Court of Owls. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that got yeah. teased in that. There was a lot, you know, and I, I do like the fact that they might be making the Riddler more of a serial killer, which, again, like you said, is the dark Nolan aspect of it, and I thought that they kept that really well in there. Um I've loved the fact that they showed you Batman beating the fuck out of a gang member, like a boss. And I was like, okay, I dig that. I want to see more of that. You know, just Pattinson unleashing, you know, his inner Bruce Wayne Batman on gang members, you know, and, and seeing what pops up. You know, it's, it's a teaser. So that's why I said you got to – I could be on the fence about it, you know, but it's just a teaser. We'll get a fuller one, I'm sure, soon enough where we can really kind of go into it, what's going to happen in Gotham I- City with the Batman. And I hope they remember what both Nolan and, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? I'm drawing the blank right now. But, you know, B versus uh, Superman and, and all that stuff. Yeah, no, not Burton. Uh, Schumacher. Um, yeah, Schumacher. Adam West. Schumacher. <laughs> not Adam West. <laughs> Whoever did the, the latest ones, man. Who did Batman versus Superman? I'm totally drawing a blank right now. Zack Snyder? Yes, there we go. What uh, both Nolan and Snyder, I feel like, forgot um, about mm, Batman. Mm. And that is that he's the world's greatest detective. You know, and yes, Nolan, I it was agree. Christian Bale, there was no detective work being done by Christian Bale. Nope. You know, and, and obviously the Nolan Universe movies, they're very cartoonish, but more like dark action cartoony. Um you know, so so I can't. There, there's no detective work there. Ben Affleck was not a detective. You know, he was just a very wealthy man, and he says as much. And I'm all good for it. But Batman is very intelligent, and I think that Pattinson can do Bruce Wayne. I think he can do smart Batman. You know, it's really the the big question is is can he be convincing enough to give us the hero portion of Batman, the fighting Batman, the guy that's mm. going to actually have to go in there and and do those fight sequences. Or at least like, that's going to be good crux. enough to do it. Yeah, that's going to be the crux. Dean, what did you think about the Batman show? You must have been excited. I haven't had a chance Batman, to see it yet. Oh, to, well, you know, 
You know, to give us your thoughts. I mean, it's cool. You know, look, I, I, I will see it. I'm not opposed to seeing it. Uh, I just, uh, you know, right now is the time where uh, my world is crazy, crazy, like full on uh, busy with Fire. my uh, getting back to school. <laughs> and uh, that's been dominating um, a lot of what I got going on right now. So that's where we're right. standing yeah. at the moment. And so along with your portion so of California being on fire at the moment, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, like we're kind of like smack in the middle of all the fires. Uh, we're not in danger of fire reaching us, but we certainly, we have like, like the worst air uh, right now. Oh, man. Um, it's, it's terrible. And at this time of day, there start, we start to get like a, a Western moving breeze from the coast and we're not far from the coast. So like as the, day goes on, the air here gets worse and worse. It's really Little terrible. Breeze. I'm well, sorry. It's safe out there. You know, that's tough. Yeah, man. I mean, I mean, look, that's, you know, it's just like if, if you live somewhere where there's hurricanes or tornadoes, like I live in somewhere where there's fires, it sucks. And, uh, you know, it's uh, that's what's going on right now. And hopefully uh, they'll get this shit under control uh, sooner uh, rather than later. Well, hope that. That would but be what's grand. going on in the, uh, the world of horror? Uh, before we get to that, um, what, what was it? Uh, I believe you were you were having some some words. There was some some commentary from the ghoul that I heard right when I when I signed on. Do you want to um, uh, talk about what you were saying there uh, once again, ghoul? Uh, which one was it? What was I saying? You know me. I, <laughs> no, I, think, you were, <laughs> I think you were talking about uh, my technology. Oh, yes. No, we were just mentioning that you were having your tech difficulties and everything. But, you know, you have such a professional setup. So, however, I'm just amazed that there could be tech difficulties. But I get it happens, man. Well, it's all good. Yeah, well, so I, can, I, 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 feel, I feel this is what the issue was really quickly. Uh, so I recently oh, had to have the mother. I had to have the, <laughs> uh, you know, I have a, a MacBook Air, and I recently had to, in between uh, our last show and now, I had to have some work done on my computer, and I just think that uh, there was an issue with getting my audio and uh, headphone settings. Is it a 15 inch? Connected. Is it an 18 inch? What size is it? A 13. Oh, 13. 13. That's a lucky number, man. Yeah, so, so, mm, so yeah. it is. Could be it. And, uh, and yeah. So, anyway, uh, there are so, so many things to talk about. Uh, as we so if I can, make our way quick, through, before you before you get into yes. it, just so we can just wrap well, up the DC thing real fast. Thank you. Go, yeah, go for it. Please. Uh, the one other thing that's got me excited, as far as the whole DC fandom goes, I mean, obviously, look, they put suicide? a lot of other things out there. Uh, the suicide trailer, eh, it was, you know, or whatever that well, was, bad. you know, a behind the scenes thing, you know. Yeah. I, I, I'm yeah. gonna wait and see. Obviously, I like the cast. I like I like the tone of it. I like what James Gunn brings to it. Um. No, more than that, though, was the things that I heard about The Flash. Um, they drop like okay. a, a slight image, which gives you a look at what is looking like a newer suit for The Flash. Uh, this will be directed right. by Andy Muschietti, who did It, Chapter 1 and 2. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But the key factor here is that the new suit, it's already been revealed, has been developed by Batman. Mm, Michael okay. Keaton, Michael Michael Keaton's yeah. Batman, who is in the film, as well as Ben Affleck. Right. 
who was in the film. So what we're talking about here is finally DC introducing their multiverse using Flashpoint and all of that stuff. So, or at least something along those lines. That, that's exciting. That, for me, is them figuring out a way to right the ship without actually, like, it's a, it's a way of rebooting it without having to just be like, okay, we're going we're gonna to amazing Spider-Man this thing and then Spider-Man Homecoming this thing and just make it an unconnected thing. They're actually going to try to connect and thread the fact that all of these universes have existed within one bigger fucking realm. And that, I think, is just that's a, it's a grand thing to try. I hope they pull it off. It's going to be tough. I hope so, too. I mean, yeah. I know. It's, it's, it's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, the it's resident tough. comic book fan over here. He is Groot. <laughs> well, again, from what it's I've nerdy. heard, is they're looking to, to, to at least touch in television <clears throat> with the films, you know, so probably they can connect in there. The Christopher Reeves Superman, uh, which should also, by proxy, wow, okay. then connect to the to the Brandon Routh suit, well, all of this is possible. You know, if they have the rights to everything yeah. to do this, then, then they can. Now, remember, Brandon are Routh bring, is Christopher Reeves are they Superman. Just, He's one and the same. In that, in that realm, are they mm-hmm. going to bring Nuclear Man? Uh, probably not, because according to... I can't imagine that. Mo- it, well, uh, well, no, listen, uh, the reality is that could be one of the alternate universes. Because if you go by certain timelines of Superman lore, Superman 1 and 2 happened, and then Superman Returns is a direct sequel to Superman 2, negating everything that happened in Superman 3 and 4. But you can make that now an alternate reality in which Superman 3 and 4 occurred. And, you know, again, obviously you can make Brandon Routh Superman and it's its own thing, but... You know, that was originally designed as the sequel to Superman 2. The idea was that after he defeated Zod and them, he went off to go check out the crypto, like the, the area of Krypton to see if anybody else survived and then came back. Do you well, think Tom Welling? that Damn. even though the actor has since passed, do you think they'll bring back uh, the Richard Pryor character of Gus Gorman? I'd love it. They could bring back his kid. <laughs> yeah. That was good. That's true. Yeah. A lot of possibilities are on the table. These are putting it all out there. Like I just said, Tom it's, Welling. It's Smallville. Endless. Yeah, he could come in Superman. He did it. So why not? He, <laughs> he showed up in Crisis in the Arrow. He did, yeah. Uh, in the TV universe. So, again, if they're looking to connect all of that then, you know, they and they kind of did with that, you know, because during that crisis, you know, obviously now at this point, spoilers are allowed. It happened in fucking January, people. Yes. <laughs> the yeah. Flash from the film series turned up in that, so. Oh, Is John Wesley Ship yeah. going to reprise his role? Yeah. That'd be fun. As, yeah, as the Flash and the Flash's father, because he's done that. And he was Zoom, I believe, if I remember right, as well. So he's been a number he of times. And he'll be and he'll be Dawson's dad. Yeah. <laughs> he'll be the Dawson's dad. Yes. Dad. What can't that guy do? That's a better question. He can do everything. <laughs> Just give him the money. Right Dawson they Dawson dad they fucking Dawson's dad and fucking Luke Perry right the fuck out of Riverdale, man. 
That shit was heartbreaking. <laughs> still fucking. I'm still, still not over that, dude. Since since that ending, it takes a while. Or whatever. Since the beginning of season four, we've only gotten like we watched seasons one through three like lickety split. Dude, they killed him off, and then after that first episode of season four, we watched maybe like four episodes, five episodes. We can't bring ourselves to continue <laughs> to watch. The fucking season's it's weird, old. too. Yeah. He's gone, and he just he's not coming back, and that's the worst part of it. And like, Molly Ringwald is not a good substitute for Luke Perry. It's Fred Andrews, sorry. I love you, Molly, the but you're just not good enough for that. The season is weird, though. Like, it took a weird turn, this, for this, the fourth season. Like, I don't know. It feels it more... Like, I... I it feels more comic-y or like, you know, like comic booky than the other seasons felt. But yeah. It's a comic book. yeah it, it, you'll see that it does. Yeah, but the show turn. wasn't done that way. And I swear no. to God, if they no. kill Jughead, I'm not watching the fucking show anymore. I can't spoil it. You'll just have to watch. Do you remember, it takes a while to Do you remember it. in Police Academy 2 when Carrie Mahoney went undercover and his gang name was Jughead? Was it? I don't even remember that. That's really fucking... Because I just watched Police oh. Academy 1 just the other day, and I was like, this movie's still fucking Owens. Out of movie. all the police academies, their first assignment is the one that I've seen the least. Ah. You know, for some reason, it was, on, it, was not on, it was not on as much as the other movies. That's part two, right? Yeah. yeah, I always felt like, you know, I felt like every time, like, especially when I first got cable, because that's when I really started, like, getting to be able to watch them all, it was like Police Academy 1 would be on, um, mm-hmm. Police Academy 3 would be on, 4 was on all the fucking time. Like, I don't know if it was that it just got to cable at that point. What year did 4 come out? Oof, that's a good uh, question. Like 88, 89, maybe? Wasn't that okay, Operation so Miami? Kinda... Where they go to Miami? No, no, no. 4 was uh, Citizens on Patrol. Five was a Simon five. Miami Beach, and six was uh, six was, was Mission to Moscow. Mission no, no, yeah, seven yeah, was Mission to Moscow. Moscow. Seven was Mission to Moscow. Wow. Okay. So yeah, so citizen, citizen, that lines up then because I think we moved into Jersey at like 1990, 1991, which yeah, Citizens on Patrol was like flooded fucking HBO. It was on. It had to have been like every day. I'd come home from school and just watch it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mission to Moscow was another one where they put on like every fucking day on HBO. For some reason, those sequels were always on rotation on HBO. Midday. Well, those, those ones were made afternoon. for cable, so that makes sense. You know, Citizens on Patrol well, yeah. was theatrically released. The only one that wasn't oh. theatrical released, as far as I know, was Mission to Moscow, because I saw City Under Siege in the theater. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I'm not sure. I, I, yeah. I thought all of those were fucking made for cable. <laughs> no, it was. I saw it. I, it was somebody's like like birthday party at the movies, and we saw Police Academy Six. Ah, and that's not a bad know. movie either, if I remember right. Oh, it's fucking it's terrible, dude. Horrible. I thought that horrible. Better than Mission to Moscow with Ron Perlman well, well, playing they, the fucking man. If you really think about it, like each episode degraded in quality from the next, so of course it's better than Mission to Moscow. But like that's not saying a whole lot. I know. I, still, a, I, swear, a, a, I was trying to be nice. I <laughs> still never forget the first time Donovan and his buddy Ethan watched that, man. The first one, you know, it was like one of oh, those man. where I had, it on, <laughs> I had it on DVD, and, like, they had come in the room. They're like, oh, can we watch Police Academy? And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I remember. Yeah, sure. I had to have been around their age or whatever. <laughs> they, were like, they were like 9, 10, maybe 11 tops, you know? 
And I just remember Ethan coming in and at one point just being like, Donovan's dad, what's doggy style? And I'm just like, what? I totally forgot what? that the first police. I <laughs> yeah, forgot the first that the first movie like Academy serious rated, rated R. R. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, oh, like, and then I went back and like sat and watched the rest of it with them, and it was like, oh fuck, man, I can't. Believe it. I had to call. I had to call Larry. Like you know, at the time, I wasn't sure if it was even okay. You know, like oh fuck, I'm sorry. You can watch the movie. Yeah. And I said this fucking you know doggy style. <laughs> He's gonna have some questions when he gets home. Just letting you know. <laughs> oh, as the dean knows Larry well, they couldn't have given two fucks, so it was all good. <laughs> Yeah, all I remember from that guy is that I was thankful he drove the night we went to see Mo in the city. <laughs> Too fucking high. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't kidding. <laughs> yeah, you don't gotta fucking tell me, Mo. I fucking took a big chunk of that fucking, you know, of that that fucking apple that uh that that Jim Jim gave us and. Yeah, I knew I was fucking. Apple. Jimmy looked at me and he was like, he goes. Did you really just take that much? He goes, you shouldn't have taken that much. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, are you fucking kidding me? If he's saying that, I knew I was fucked. <laughs> yep, sounds about right. All right, uh, so Dean, what do you right. have for us for our news tonight? Moving, moving right along. Moving away um, from drugs. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, David Arquette is hoping that Scream 5, uh, he was speaking on the Corpse podcast, and uh, David Arquette is hoping that Scream 5 will be a healing experience for those still uh, missing the late Wes Craven. He said that uh, the directors of Scream 5 were lifelong fans of Wes Craven and were inspired by him. Uh, They hope to make Scream 5 something that Wes Craven will be proud of. So as as we know, with that project, David Arquette is coming back, and Courtney Cox is coming back. Uh, You know, no official word on anyone else from the previous installments, but uh, that is what we know uh, thus far. Um, We uh, talk. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. You know, I almost I haven't seen it yet, and I almost put on uh, Scream Four the other night, uh, but I did not. But I'll get to it. That is something that I, you know heard was, you know, worth checking out. So I will I will get to it at some point. Um I haven't healed from that movie yet. That's my oh, it was, it was bad. Okay, maybe I won't even watch it. Um I, no, don't take my opinion. Watch it. Yeah, yeah other people love it. He's like I a fucking sandy vagina when it comes to it, man. Yeah, he I think he likes three, but he doesn't like four, which makes no sense. Nobody I likes one three. and two. I hate three. Oh, okay. <laughs> my bad. Yeah, I was going to say, three and so, four is fucking garbage. That's that in my Because of you? Because of I this never stray too far crazy. from the sidewalk? <laughs> <laughs> because of this because crazy of, uh, world we live in at this yeah. time, uh, Shudder wants to get a jump start on Halloween. And instead of doing their 30 days of Halloween or 31 days of Halloween, this year Shudder is doing 61 days of Halloween. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) From September 1st. (laughs) From September 1st. Wait a minute. uh, Maybe they're going to show more horror movies than a fucking website that's already based on showing horror movies? Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Talk about horror, 
<laughs> so they should put some rom coms. Uh, this on will there. start in just a few days from now, September first. Fucking real hard. Uh, we'll off, and from from September first uh, through October thirty first, there will be original specials, movie premieres, uh, some specials involving uh, the King of Horrors favorite Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, this year, uh, they also will revive their Halloween hotline, uh, where between, at certain times of the day, uh, you will be able to call up Shutter and speak to their lead content curator uh, and give him some things uh, in horror that you like, and he will suggest the perfect movie from the uh, Shutter library for you. Uh, you can get a personalized suggestion from the... The, the the lead curator of Shutter by calling the Halloween hotline uh, if you're I'd looking want that for a movie recommendation. Um, so so you have that. Okay. Um, also, okay. I'm just gonna keep uh, steamrolling right along here. Uh, so the sequel to Train to Busan, uh, Peninsula, uh, has had a run of success in the theater and it's gonna be coming to us on Shutter uh, sometime soon. I learned today that there is an actually, uh, from uh, Yan Sang-ho, there is a prequel uh, to Train to Busan uh, that is animated, and it's called Seoul Station, uh, as in Seoul, Korea. Uh, This is available to see on Amazon Prime right now if you have a Prime account, Uh, but what led me to this news was the fact that he is talking about doing an animated prequel to Peninsula uh, hmm. to kind of be as a parallel to Soul Station. In addition to that, he says that he also believes that the Train to Busan franchise should have more films. He said there are more stories to be told of uh, survivors of the Peninsula that maybe he is not the person to direct them, but he believes there's more stories to be told in the world of which uh, Train to Busan and Peninsula take place. So stay tuned. There's nothing on the horizon aside from the Peninsula prequel. Uh, but if you are a fan of that world, uh, you know, it sounds like they're trying to, you know, build it up into, uh, you know, a true property um, and franchise. So, so wait a minute. The guy that created Train to Busan is suggesting that there should be a huge world and franchise built around Train to Busan that he created. Well, Yes, and that you know he, he won't direct them or anything like that, but he thinks that there should be more movies in that franchise. Yeah, he says maybe he won't direct them, but yes, he believes there's more stories to be told in the peninsula. Survivors in the peninsula. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I haven't seen it yet. Every movie that they want a franchise made out of, you know. I don't know. All the time. If he had no financial gain to fucking be had with doing it, I think I'd be a little bit more open to it. I have an idea. Make the fucking movies, asshole. If there's that many more fucking ideas and, and, and thoughts and stories behind it, dude, then fucking write them. Don't put it out there and be like, oh, yeah, man, there's definitely more stories to be had. Just pay me a fucking royalty fee and we're good to go. Uh, look, man, yeah, we all you know live what? on a fucking he, island, okay, but we're good. Hey, look, maybe so, maybe not, but the fact remains that this guy, uh, you know, in, in a world that we live in, in a genre where there is just, you know, a gajillion movies, you know, he made something that broke through and caught on and has a fan base. So why should he not continue uh, to have, he didn't say that he wasn't going to have any hands in writing or production. 
He just said he might not direct. Uh, you know, any one of us would any one of us would bend over backwards and break our backs to have created something that people want to see. Uh, you know, there's not much to go out into the theaters to see right now, but uh, in the limited viewings at different countries around the world, Peninsula did great and made some bank. So, of course, he should be looking to uh, continue to grow his brand uh, or his creation. I mean, any one of us, I feel, Make would it. do the same Make it Same his thing. creation. He should be making it. That's all I'm saying. If you want the integrity, well, maybe he, if it's really that, all right. if it's that important to him for it to be done that way, then fucking do it. You know, not just throw but what it if out he, there what if he, and then, what you know, if he, expect a paycheck. He wants to make what, more what things. He, he wants to make his were, artsy film. Yeah, but what if he was to write it and someone else was to direct it? That's fine. Again, as long as he has a hand. Okay, because he didn't say that. He just said creation. he might not be one to he direct, direct. He didn't gotcha. say he wants to. Gotcha. He didn't say he was going to hand it off mm. to someone else. He just said that he might not direct. That's all. I don't understand why we're getting so sensitive about it. Um, anyway. I'm sensitive because I fucking was disappointed with the first one in the first place, man. There was so much fucking <laughs> hype behind it, and it was just another zombie okay, then, movie. Like people act like they've never seen a fucking zombie movie before. Then this is a news item that wasn't for you. Oh, don't get CBS, <laughs> CBS <laughs> All <laughs> Access has announced. Okay, see, thank you. I'm uh, not the only one that I see. <laughs> How did you feel about Pluton King? I liked it. I thought it was entertaining. I didn't think it was groundbreaking. Didn't it didn't you. rock my you world, but I thought it was a fun it. romp. I said, King. <laughs> Are you King? No, you're not King. You're Dean. No, I'm not King. I'm not King. Doggy no. door fucking what... Dean over here. <laughs> and what the, the bullet said, I agree with him 100%. I didn't like Change Busan, but dude, make your fucking movies. Like, don't be like, you know, I'm considering uh, maybe not directing the next one. Maybe I'll just produce her. Maybe I'll write it. No, just shut your fucking mouth. Make your fucking zombie movies, and if it hits, it hits, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. Like, that's the ghoul's words of fucking Hollywood. Just make your shit. Stop fucking talking he's about not, it. Just do he's it. not in Hollywood, though. It, I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> make your shit. And move on. Whether you're in Korea, Hollywood, Australia, just make a shit and fucking move on. Talk is cheap. That I Everybody completely agree with the guy. Uh, just Fine. make a movie. Thank you for saw nineteen. Let's make it happen. Excellent. December seventeenth. Right, <laughs> <laughs> they made way, they made a lot of those, man. Uh, December seventeenth. <laughs> yeah, it's a, fr- uh, it's a franchise. There's plenty of stories access. that should be told. Yeah. And do you think the same person directed all of the Sharknado movies? I mean, maybe well, he did. I, I have no fucking clue. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. The first one was funny. <laughs> Might be a ghostwriter. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, December 17th, because I do have something to say with this one. So come on. Throw it at us, motherfucker. Yes. I'm throwing it. Here it uh, December 17th, CBS All Access has announced that they will be presenting an eight-episode, uh, an eight-part uh, version of Stephen King's The Stand, uh, featuring Alexander Skarsgård and Whoopi Goldberg as Mother Abigail. Um, eight parts. Hooey. They feel that now is, uh, you know, with the global pandemic, uh, uh, the time to tell the story of Stephen King's The Stand uh, Eight-part miniseries due on All Access, CBS All Access, on December seventeenth. King, what do you think about it? 
Oh, I thought you had something I mean, to say. Oh, I yeah, do. I mean, I'll just oh, keep mine short and simple. I just, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see what happens. Cool. Before is yours, because I really do want to hear your opinion. Well, you know what, man? Here's the thing, okay? I've, I've escaped so, so fucking long without needing to get CBS All Access, you know, Twilight Zone, yeah. all that shit. I'm, I'm like, ah, I'm good. I'll wait. Ah, I'm good. I'll wait. You know what? These motherfuckers finally, finally figured out something that would make me get their damn service because, yes, I, I will be tuning in December be 17th because I, it's the fucking stand, and I want to see yeah. what yep. somebody else's fucking vision is of it. You can't get your hands on a di- they don't have the stand available digitally so i can't watch it no. on like amazon i can't watch it on xbox or anything like that i can't get the original tv miniseries me and the ghoul girl talk about it all the time it comes up like once every few months like ooh, is the stand available no it's fucking not available so it's like it would be like the perfect thing for us to go to bed to because you put on like you know one episode it's like two and a half hours long or whatever it is and fucking you know just go to sleep to it but no not not available so, yes, I will be watching CBS All Access, and I'm sure I'll then promptly forget that I have that fucking account, and I'll be charged for, you know, whatever, a year where I'll barely fucking use it. Well, you'll maybe get a chance to see some of Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone. Yeah, well, I'm sure at that That's point I'll yeah, there you check go. it out. And there should be plenty so now of maybe episodes there's two, for me to watch There's two things you can watch when you get CBS All Access. Nice. Well, yeah. I'm looking forward to it in December. Well, and plus that stand series by Josh Boone, the new one, is going to be episodic. So you're going to have to. It's uh, nine episodes. So to, you got nine weeks. Yeah, I have to. I have to because they're releasing it weekly. So I'm going to have to hold on yeah. for that long. That's going to be tough because uh, you know, like you know, in this binge-worthy society we live in, like I say it all the time, when you find a show that's not binge-worthy, it sucks having to wait week to week. See the next episode. Well, t- yeah, that that's the problem. It's not that it's not binge worthy. The problem is it's just not available to binge. And yeah, that right. that is a big bummer. Big big bummer. It is. It's the worst. Okay, uh, Dean, what's next? With so many no. things in the world on hold right now, and mm. properties trying to figure out a way to generate some revenue, uh, the universe of Stranger Things is getting ready to unveil the Stranger Things Drive Into experience. Uh, The Stranger Mm -hmm. Things universe is going to uh, present, uh, and they believe it's going to open sometime in October, a drive-through hour-long experience that can handle 24 cars at a time. Uh, It's going to feature bitchin' tunes, mullets, and Monster Hunts, and the sets are going to feature actors in costumes and special effects. And you're going to be able to (laughs) drive through the Star Court Mall. You're going to be able to drive through Russian laboratories as well as the Upside Down. It's said to be a multi-level experience. Uh, The location hasn't been uh, said yet, although it will be in the Los Angeles area. It sounds to me like they've taken over like a multi-level parking garage and have turned it into a Stranger Things universe. Uh, it's mm-hmm. going to cost to experience this $59 per car, not per person. So if you can fit five people in your car, five people can go for 59 bucks total. Uh, but, you know, it sounds like it's a, like a, like a, if you go to ever like, like Eastern State Penitentiary or like the Jason Woods Interactive Halloween shit, 
It sounds like this is like a drive-through interactive Stranger Things experience, and sounds like it could be a pretty cool way to kill an hour. Yeah. Oh, definitely. If you're in L.A., definitely check it out. It does sound awesome. It, just, it sucks the sun around here, but sounds fun. And, and plus, uh, you know, well, all these places are going to be closed down, like for Halloween. Like Halloween Haunted Nights isn't open, so this is the next best thing. Yeah, I mean, as long as all they right. can figure out ways to do it and do it safely, man, I'm all for it. Yeah. You know, I know. Oh, shit. Somebody got something a day early, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Happy birthday, motherfucker! Yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Thank you. Um, fucking. Uh, I was like, what's in this? <laughs> was like, fucking. Uh, so yes, yeah, so uh, the haunts and all that shit. Yeah, I, I don't know about any of that around here. I know because there's still all kinds of fucking shit up in the air. But uh, what I do know is coming here soon, which just recently closed in your area, Dean. But is coming yes. to Red Bank, New Jersey. Is the movie's pop-up. That's yeah, right. Kevin Smith and Company. Oh, yeah. So you will be able to get yourself some fucking movie burgers and whatever else. Dipper. Coming in red... You know, I don't even know what the shit's called. I'm just going to go there and fucking eat it. Um, but, yeah, it's coming to Red Bank, <laughs> New Jersey soon. So as soon as we know a date, we'll let you know. Oh, man. Yeah, I might have to make a trip out for that to go to fucking movies. <laughs> It'll be so rad. To be able to have a, a cow tipper and, you know, just fucking be in that scene. Because I've seen pictures of uh, Kevin posting on, online of the movies in L.A. And it's just fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never thought I would see an actual one. Well, I, I noticed in his one tweet as they were getting ready to wrap up the one there in L.A., he, like, specifically highlighted the word bank um, mm. in the tweet. And, you know, at the time, I said to a couple of my buddies, I was like, you know what, I wonder if he means that he's going to bring this to Red Bank. Because obviously it could be that or it could just be a reference to the Banky character. Um, but no, sure enough, he announced, right. I think it was like the next day or the day following that, uh, that he is bringing it to Red Bank, New Jersey, motherfuckers. Yeah, I mean, how could he not? I mean, that's where he started, Jersey. So, I mean, how, how are you going to deprive the Jerseyites, you know, of, you know, U.S. Universe movies? So you could actually get real food. Like, you know, I, I knew it was going to happen. It, just, it was a matter of time. Well, I think they were also hoping by this point, like Smod Castle and all that shit would have been up and running. But with COVID happening and everything, it kind of kind of put the kibosh on a lot of things. I don't even know what the status is of that now in Leonardo. No, I saw an article recently that, about it, but I didn't really read too much into it. But I'm sure it's going to be happening soon. But you know, we'll see. You know, he's up with COVID. Me and Dean, like... Me and being like girls from Leonardo. <laughs> <laughs> that we can never, we can never talk to again. No, no, not at all. Big, big trouble. Big, big trouble. <laughs> all right, Dean, what's next? What do you got? All right. If you've been playing the Predator Hunting Grounds video game, uh, the no. OG original uh, 1987 <laughs> Dutch skin is now available as downloadable content. Uh, so if you want mm-hmm. to play as Dutch himself, uh, I know I talked about this previously, that Schwarzenegger was lending his voice and whatnot, but now it is available. Uh, you can download that. Uh, it sounds like you're big fans of the game, so we don't spend any more time talking about that. Um, well, I still have John Carpenter. Okay, because it's, oh, okay. A, uh, it's a PlayStation exclusive, um, mm-hmm. which looks like a fucking, I don't know, it looks like it's like a PS2 game from what, you know, the graphics yeah, that I saw of it. Yeah, terrible. Um, 
which is a shame because it's got a lot of a lot of promise. I mean, we've seen this with the Friday the Thirteenth game, where you know you get a group of players together. They're the you know, whatever you want to say that they're the, the mercenaries and one person plays the predator and, you know, he's just super badass to, to hopefully take down the other players. But if they work as a team, they can kill them. Uh, I'm sure if the price goes down, I'll eventually get it. What I was excited about and actually bought today, uh, which I haven't bought a game in a long time and I haven't used my VR in a really long time, but uh, they finally um, released that Vader Immortal game for the PlayStation oh, VR, yeah. which was yeah, that's right. originally we only for the Oculus one. and all that shit, dude. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's in three parts, I played the whole first part, and it is really okay. fucking cool, man. It is really fucking cool. You get some lightsaber action in, you're exploring around fucking Vader's castle, you're climbing up fucking the sides of buildings and looking down at some fucking lava planet and shit. It was really, really great experience. I had a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to playing through parts two and three. I would be doing it if yeah, I had the show that I have to do. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen the playthroughs. They look pretty fucking badass, but uh, Dean, you were saying something about John Carpenter? Yes, I was. John Ooh. Carpenter has confirmed uh, that Blumhouse is in the early development of a reboot of John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. He says that this is just in the early stages and that there's no other details. He says, John Carpenter says that he may be involved in some capacity down the road, maybe, uh, but that's all of the information that there is. Just uh, Carpenter confirming that is something that Blumhouse uh, has begun to work on. Mm. I mean, I mean, Look, it is, I feel like, you know, this terminology has entered the lexicon a lot more lately, but it just kind of is what it is. You know, you think that, you know, these kind of big, these big ones uh, should be above this kind of treatment, you know, Uh, you would have said, uh, you know, man, no one should remake Halloween. It's a perfect film. And lo and behold, Rob Zombie came along and remade it, you know, like you would think, oh, the thing is like a fucking perfect fucking film. Um but here they are uh, coming along to remake it. You know, last week we talked about how there's some type of reboot going on, perhaps for The Exorcist. So apparently yeah. nothing is off the table anymore. And, uh, you know, any feelings we have about that don't matter. Um, the, this, the shot callers should. and ballers with the money, uh, you know, don't seem to matter. They don't look at, you know, feelings around properties. They just see dollar signs. And when it's all said and done in the world of movies... Uh, you know, that's what makes the, the, the camera uh, turn or or whatever the terminology is for the film moving through the camera. So, if they can use film, I think, it's all, I, I think it's all digital these days, man. So there's, uh, it's just moving parts inside. Um, I, uh, you know, to a degree, here's the thing, okay? Of course, listen, my initial reaction to hearing this is immediate revulsion. My stomach gets a little bit tight. I want to vomit a little bit. Um, I, you know, feel like John Carpenter's thing is like one of those films that just should not, doesn't need to be redone. It still holds up today. It's still a great watch. You got great performances, amazing special effects. You know, it was already a remake at the time. And I'm sure that when they were, were remaking that, I'm sure there were people who were fans of the original who were like, Eh, you know, do they really need to remake that movie? <laughs> blah, 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 blah. That being said, 
you know, being that we had the 2011 movie, which proved to be a prequel to John Carpenter's The Thing, um, mm -hmm. are we to blame to a degree, us as not just horror fans, obviously, but us as moviegoers? You know, I feel like yeah. in this day and age, they get more asses in seats with these remakes and reboots than they do when they say something like 2011's movie, which ends up being a prequel. Um, you know, because I look at the world of the thing, I look at, you know, the amount of cast members that are still with us, and I say, you know, like, why not make a sequel to it? Or you can make a sequel to yeah. it taking place in that world without it having to have those cast members in there. But shit, the reality is, is you can have, you know, a new team go in to see what the fuck happened, and, you know, there is old-ass Kurt Russell still alive, you know, or old-ass Keith David still alive. So who knows? Is he the thing? Is he just fucking Keith David? He's just old and never left the base because he knew he couldn't do it. Um, there's any number of things that they could do still within that universe because it was a broad enough type of world. Like, that's something that, okay, like you said earlier about tra Train to Busan, having more stories to be told. This is a perfect example of something that has yep. more stories yep. to be told. You know why the fucking world of Train to Busan doesn't need more stories? Because there's a billion fucking zombie movies out there. There's a billion movies of fucking infectious plagues that make people go crazy and eat people. But there's not that many movies out there about a fucking shape-shifting alien that can literally replicate any kind of fucking living creature on this planet and eventually hopefully take over the world within a few days. Give me more of that. Yeah, that's, that's the best point that I think that even I could make. Just uh, more of like that other than, like, the zombies are being done to death. But I think we had the same thing with vampires a couple of years ago. It just, it goes in circles. You know, it's just people take advantage of one thing like a zombie or a vampire, then it gets fucking sucked dry, literally. And so you're bored of it. And so you're just like, dude, what is that? What else is out there? You know, like you said, aliens that could shapeshift, like in the thing. Let's bring that in. You know, when are we going to get a new slasher? that could be as iconic as the bad boys, like, you know, Michael and Jason and stuff like that. I mean, it's just, you know, retreads and sequels that we don't really need. But, you know, it's because, like you, like you said, Gold, I think that was the greatest thing that you said, is that we're to blame. We really are. Because we bitch about this stuff. And then we get what we get. You know, remakes. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, original horror, eh. You know, I don't trust it. I don't know it. It's not familiar. I think that's a big part of it. Uh, again, you know, obviously if the, the movies are making money, then people, you know, then that's how that works. But, you know, you tell people that, hey, we're making a sequel to this old-ass movie. I, but see, that's the thing, too. I wonder if you were to turn around and make a Thing sequel, doing it with the same care and intention and love that was put into that original film, not original film, but that John Carpenter film, Mm -hmm. You're telling me that the horror community wouldn't come out enough to put that money back into that movie? I, I just find that to, to, to be silly. Now, you know, will that make millions upon millions upon millions of dollars that, you know, they all fucking seem to need to make these days for anything to be successful? Maybe not. But, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's yeah, just staying true to the art. In general, you know, the horror genre doesn't make that kind of dough to begin with. No, but they've had touches of it these last few years, which is what sucks. They have. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. with the with the Jordan Peele movies and the recent Halloween yeah. movie. You know, uh, unfortunately, you know how they are. It's like when fucking any time there's like a successful horror movie that that makes a big shit ton of money, like we say, you know, you said it when Halloween came out. If Halloween makes a lot of money, we're gonna see fucking movie studios crawling over one another to try to remake or reboot all of these other franchises just to try to make a fucking dime off of it because people will have you the Halloween franchise in their head. You're absolutely correct. And with that being said, because I'm, I'm just looking at the clock, there's just a couple things I want to get to very quickly. With that being said, uh, I had posted to our group the other day uh, the current uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot uh, yeah. after one week of production and filming uh, has dismissed the two directors, brothers... Uh, Andy and Ryan Tohill uh, were exiled from the project after one week, and they hired yeah. a new director uh, who's going to take over and and start from scratch. Like anything that's been filmed is being tossed, and they're starting completely over. And uh, Gould, the reason I wanted to jump right into this one, based on what you said, is because uh, this Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot is going to be set in the modern day but it's going to eliminate everything in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre story except for the original film and kind of be like a direct sequel to the original 1974 film. So uh, there you go, a perfect example of that. So just like they did in 2013 when they they did the other one. they did it already. (laughs) Yeah. That was done already. That's why, man, it's it's amazing to me. It's amazing. I've said this many times on the show, and it's just amazing to me how many times they're going to keep doing this and just continue to shit all over yeah. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable to me uh, how much they continue to just shit on it and shit on it and shit on it. Um, but I know uh, we need to get cracking here. Uh, you know, we, and we, were, we were talking about John Carpenter, uh, and I have shared on our show all of the different things that everyone continues to say, uh, but John Carpenter was taking part in Fantasia's Masterclass recently, and he has said that Halloween Kills is, and I quote, so intense, and I quote, the quintessential slasher film. Uh, it stuns him how incredible mm-hmm. it is, no. and that David Gordon Green did a great job, and he can't wait to have you all see it. So, uh, you know, that's what everybody continues to say about Halloween Kills, which we'll see October 15th, 2021, I hope. And. Uh, finally, the last thing that I want to talk about uh, that I'm kind of really excited about, uh, Creepshow, uh, which Creepshow of the two films and recent uh, Shudder original series that's going to be broadcasted on AMC, has announced uh, Creepshow The Taken, which is a scholastic paperback uh, aimed at the young adult demographic uh, that's going to be released on September 1st. It is 224 pages long, and just like the series is going to feature two different stories that take place in the world of the films and the show. Uh, so Scholastic is bringing the Creepshow franchise to their young adult audience. And, uh, you know, as we long ago on the original incarnation of our show uh, did an episode about where each of us would talk about uh, you know, the, the early stuff we saw that brought us into the franchise, uh, my, of horror, my answer to that one, uh, was one of them was Creepshow. So it's exciting yeah. to me to see here we are in 2020, 
uh, that we have this this creep show series, which you know we can debate the merit of all of the episodes that we got, but all told, it was entertaining. Uh, and now here they are in 2020 with a creep show book uh, that's aimed at young readers. So I think that's pretty exciting. Awesome. And I'll be looking forward to checking that out. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to when that releases. Um, so is that it? Is that all you got, Dean? That is what I got. I know that you're probably very excited to talk about your film this evening. I am. I'm looking forward to it. I th- I hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll all have a good conversation. Uh, but, yeah, I, uh, my film pick for tonight is from 2017. It's Victor Crowley, directed by Adam Green. Uh, the plot is that 10 years had passed since Andrew Young survived a massacre beheaded by Victor Crowley in the Honey Island Swamp area. Years later, he decides that he's going to write a book, which becomes more or less of a big hit. Uh, he gets invited on the talk shows and uh, book signings, but he's being offered apparently big money for a true crime interview in Honey Island Swamp. So he reluctantly decides to go because the pay is pretty fucking good. But ultimately what happens is the plane crashes and everybody on board has to come face-to-face with Andrew Young's biggest fear, which is the big monster, Victor Crowley himself, the Bayou Butcher. Um, yeah, I love this movie, uh, but more so I love the fact that Adam Green was able to make it in secret, and 10 years after the first Hatchet movie came out, he was going to show the original Hatchet to a group of people, and instead he unleashed Victor Crowley on them, which to me I think is a great way to watch it because you don't really need to see the other films to really enjoy Victor Crowley for what it is. It's not like, oh, fuck, I missed the first three. Uh, what's going on? I can't, I can't follow the story. It's kind of like he rebooted it himself. And I, I just, I can't give him enough credit for it. But with that being said, uh, Ghoul, what do you think about Victor Crowley? Well, I mean, to dive right in a little bit, I mean, I don't think you can say you don't need to watch the other films. I mean, you don't, I guess, you know, conceivably you don't have to watch them because a like a Friday the 13th, they kind of give you a bit of a backstory and what you need yeah. to know about him as a killer. But considering that the Perry Shen character and all the references and stuff like that, you know, all of those have to do with the other films and there's a running gag that goes on with that. So if you really want to understand the movie, it helps to have seen the other films. Mm. But as far as my feelings on the movie, yeah, you know what, man? This is one of those that I remember when he when it first came out. And I remember watching it. Yeah. And I was caught up in the hatchet thing during, like, you know, this short period of time. And I, I really, really loved it. Um, this time going back, you know, obviously I'm looking at it with a little bit more of a critical eye. It's, uh, it's got some flaws, a couple pacing issues. But aside from that, it is still a fun ride. It is, it is an enjoyable Adam Green movie. Okay. Uh, D, I think this is your first time seeing it. What did you think about Victor Crowley? Uh, This was my first time seeing Victor Crowley, and I do want to give a little bit of background there and say that uh, the only other film that I saw in this series was the original Hatchet, uh, you know, way back uh, not long after that was released. And, you know, I enjoyed it very much, and I have zero reasons to give you uh, about why I haven't seen other films in the franchise Uh, but here was my return to the swamp and my return uh, to the character of Victor Crowley I feel that the I enjoyed the premise of uh, you know having one who survived 
from the first go-round to come back to explore his experiences and end up back into the swamp. And uh, I enjoyed the splatter and spray and seeing Victor Crowley again. But my what I'm what I'm puzzled about, and uh, so I was entertained. So let's just say I found it to be entertaining. Uh, mm-hmm. But right. uh, my question, and I guess uh, the King of Horror would be the one to answer, um, if the actor uh, Perry Shen, uh, who in Victor Crowley is playing the character of Andrew, uh, when I was doing my looking <laughs> and information gathering, uh, in the first film, his name was Sean, and in mm-hmm. Hack yeah. 2, he played a character named Justin, and in mm-hmm. Hack 3... He played a character named Andrew. So this was calling back to the events from Hatchet 3, even though it was just a couple of years prior to Victor Crowley. Is that correct? Yeah, he was a different even character though, in all of the movies. Even though, yeah, even was, though they say... They brothers in the in first Vic, So even though they say Victor Crowley takes, you know, that he had survived 10 years ago, but 2007 is when the original Hatchet came out, they were referencing the events of Hatchet 3, even though it had only come out a couple of years before Victor Crowley. I just want to make sure I understand mm-hmm. the timeline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That's, that's what they're Because in that's Victor right. Crowley, in uh, Hatchet 3, they had uh, a ton of people. I mean, they had SWAT, they had hunters, they had everybody trying to track down Victor Crowley. So that's why when they say 40 people yeah. died in the swamp, yeah, that was pretty accurate. And he was an EMT. So. Yes, he was. So they were much more in line with, with part three. But the thing, too, okay. is, is what you got to remember is that, uh, okay, so here's the thing. Yes, Hatchet 1 takes place, you know, obviously takes place in when it was made, 2007. But Hatchet 2 right. and right. 3, even though they were made with years in between, take place, like, right after one another. So Hatchet 2 right. picks up right where Hatchet 1 leaves off, and Hatchet 3 does the same thing. So that entire sequence, even though the movies were made, you know, like six years between them or whatever, are really just like a shortened period of time. Think of Friday okay, the 13th, I got Part 2, 3, and 4. Right. So I didn't know if this was a thing where, like, you know, uh, Halloween, for example, like – 1978 and then 2018, you know, oh, all this time is, okay, I got it. I just wanted to make sure I had the timeline straight in my head. Uh, It's interesting to me that Adam Green would use this same actor to play different characters in each episode. But it's a gag, one anyway, else, I think. Uh, um, bring them back. Mm-hmm. The different characters. And Parry is actually a really nice guy. I don't remember if that was the con you were at or not with us, Dean, um, where he was there. Yeah, Adam Green was at the con that you came, right? Yes. Yes, he was. Okay, so yeah, Par- Parry was there as well. I don't know if you remember hanging out with him at all. No, I don't remember um, hanging out with him at all. I know I spent some time talking to Adam Green, and he made a great video for my friend Jen. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't remember. I really don't. I remember um, Adam Green. I remember the dude from uh, uh, um, Detroit Rock City, and I remember the guy from Toy <laughs> Soldiers. Uh, you know, and I remember Keith Coogan. Uh, there's a few that I remember. I don't remember all the people that I that I saw and talked to that that weekend. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Yeah, so, yeah, he was there at that convention. But, yeah, it's just, and with uh, with Victor Crowley, you get to, at least in this movie, you get to go back as far as 1964, where Victor Crowley is still very much a presence um, when he disrupts the evening events for Dell and his uh, soon-to-be fiancée, uh, Sarah. And I don't know what was worse, 
Victor or her fucking makeup just going up against uh, Del's face. Uh, she's hysterically crying and kissing him because she's so happy to, to be engaged. I just, I fucking loved it. It's just so gross. And he's just waiting to see if it gets any worse. Has a nasty <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> and Del is just grossed out by it. Well, yeah. the thing is, though, yeah. like, you know, just... this is Adam skewing a lot towards the comedy, like right off the bat. Now, yep. whereas there was humor mm-hmm. in the other movies, this one I feel really is like, hey, this is a comedy movie that has a super-powered villain running around and killing people. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and even having Tyler Maine show up, you know, as, as the hunter in the woods, he's like, you know, shut the fuck up. You know, I mean, you know, he's out there, and you guys shouldn't be out here. Let me tell you something. He gets his fucking head cut off. <laughs> and those great squirts of blood that, that Adam Green does so well whenever he does a decapitation, mm-hmm. he has to have it squirt really high. <laughs> it's, that is, is my, yeah, you know what, again, that's, that's the one thing I will say. I love the fact that this guy just loves to make the fucking red sticky shit fly everywhere, man. He just likes to get messy with it, and that is just great. It's so nice seeing, like, real... It's so much fun. Yes. Like, fake blood, but it's just nice, visceral, real shit. None of the digital crap. Yeah. You see it in some of these other films where it just doesn't have the right consistency or it just looks fucking stupid. Like, I just like that there's just that visceral physical quality that is going on with every little bit of this. And I love that he just, he doesn't stop. You know, like when, when uh, the girl's on the, the, the B-side after her, you know, Dell dies, and then Victor just starts fucking dismembering her, cutting off her arms, yeah, her legs, and her her fucking head. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is, Chop buckle up, up, guys, because this is what you're in for, <laughs> you know, this movie. Like, this is Victor, you know, at his most violent. Like, I just, I love it that Adam starts it like that, you know, not starting soft at all. <laughs> We're ripping off heads and arms here. Indeed, man. Indeed. Daddy. But here's a question. Yeah. I w- okay. I'm sorry. Good. No, 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 no. I was just joking, man. I said, daddy. Okay. I was going to say, here's the question for you guys, because the character that we follow is Andrew Young, who 10 years earlier, like we had said, survived the Honey Island massacre. And now is deciding to write a book and it becomes a point of contention between one of the characters, Rose, later in the movie. And it's a good question to ask. Like, you know, do you think it's kind of one of those things that's appropriate to kind of benefit off of tragedy? I mean, we see it all the time, you know, with, with true crime books and things like that. But, you know, it, it just makes for Andrew Young to be not such a great character, and, you know, from a personal standpoint. of this, You know, he's profiting off of these people dying and he survived. Yeah, well, so do you I think mean, that's that kind is of like appropriate. Yes. That's, you know, I, if we're talking about, like, real-life tragedy, then maybe not. But that's a common, common, common theme uh, in the genre. Like, people trying the, – the, the podcasters in Halloween 2018 were trying yes, to profit exactly. off of yep. the tragedy. Yep. Uh, it, mm-hmm. You know, Gail Weathers, you know, was trying to profit off of the, the oh, yeah. tragedies. Uh, you know, so that's like, a, that's like a common thing. Like, in the world, you think, all right – the characters that are trying to profit off the tragedy will succumb to what it is they're trying to profit off of. Uh, like in my, in real life, no, I don't think you should be trying to capitalize or profit on tragedy, but I mean, that greed is, is one of the biggest things in human nature and people are going to try and profit off of anything they can, uh, you know, no matter, no matter how much, like I see, you know, I, I get in my feed cause I, you know, I buy t-shirts off the internet. Sometimes I get like in my social media feeds, like advertisements, 
T-shirts, and you know, like I, I see T-shirts that have like Jeffrey Dahmer that have like a like a one-liner that's like a pun about like yeah. eating people, but you know what I mean. So like people are always going to try and like profit off that shit. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing though too because there's there's that fine line, you know. There are whenever you have any kind of tragedy, you know. Again, to use it, you got Dahmer. You know, look at the the Manson family stuff like that. You know, there no, are the people that are there are writing their stories. You know, so like let's say like for the the Parry Shen character, you know, he was actually through some of this. He went through it. He lived through it. So to share the story, because there are people who want to know what the experience was like or what it is that he went through, you know, but then, you know, then look at all the people that are going to, again, to go back to the Manson thing, look how many people have written Manson type of stories or oh, written so about many. Manson family just because they, they did a little bit of research into it, you know, and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. And those are, they're all profiting off of everything, you know, it's, it's the, the book companies and the publishing houses, all of them. You know, it's, it's when the stories start to get embellished to further the interest along. You know, that's where mm-hmm. I start to have a problem with it. You know, if you have a story to tell because of some shitty experience you went through and, you know, you're staying to the truth of that story, and if you fucking make a million dollars, two million dollars, three million dollars fucking telling that story because people are out there buying your book, God bless you, man. More power to you for doing it. Um, it's just like I said, though. It's when you start, like what we're seeing in society now. It's when you start spreading falseness as fact. That is when mm-hmm. it becomes the problem. You know, when the fucking publishing house is tweaking this and tweaking that because it's going to sell more books. That's when it becomes a problem. Because you know what? Sensationalism does sell but it fucking really fucks with everybody's head, and that's where it gets real shitty. And that's, that's exactly what Andrew did in his book. Media right now, you know? And, and that's that why I was glad you brought that up, too, because that's... Yeah. And that Andrew Young also lied in his book, and he also embellished a lot of fucking details. Not just about his personal life, but also about the Victor Crawley incident that he ended up actually going on trial for, because they believe that there's no such thing as fucking Victor Crawley out there. It's a ghost. It's not real. You know, and he got exonerated, which is a big point for him. But, yeah, he lied in his book. And he made it up and made it seem like he beat up, you know, he beat Victor Crowley by himself and nobody else helped him. Um, so it's a point of contention. But I also like the fact that you have the group of kids. You have Alex, his girlfriend, Chloe, and you have Rose trying to make a mock trailer for Hatchet Face because they want to make this movie and they want to get all the money and, and, you know, be famous and do all these things and hopefully get uh, Andrew to be in the movie when he's at the bookstore and uh, the dude fucking hanging brain, I think is the best part of the fucking movie, like one of the best parts of the movie, where he just whips his cock out and he's like, why don't you sign it, you fucking homophobe? <laughs> so. yeah, I'm not, I can't stop looking at it. <laughs> like, <laughs> please, please put it away. And you have Felissa Rose playing his assistant, uh, Kathleen, his, his agent. You know, like, oh, my God, put that fucking thing away. <laughs> Get out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Get out of here. Finally, when, when, she play, when she pays attention, I love seeing Felicia <laughs> and stuff. She's such a sweetheart. Yeah, she seems, you know, she seems, I was going to say, she seems super fun and, like, like removed but not removed <laughs> from, like, her, her place in being in one of the most uh, iconic films 
in in the genre. She seems just to like love it and have like a great affection for like for her standing and, and like knows where her place is too, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She again meeting her was awesome um at the one N J Horror Con. Uh, again, she's a blast with it. You know, she really gets into the whole thing. She loves the fans. She loves interacting with everybody. Um, yeah, she loves the fact that she is part of a, you know, a, a cult film that, you know, forever is going to go down for what it goes down for having for its ending. And it's, it's, you know, she gets at least a giggle out of it, you know? Um, like I told her when I met her, you know, she fucked my mind up with that shit at the end of that movie, you know, she was like, well, I'm glad. (laughs) Um, but you know, like I always say about that film too, what I always enjoy is the fact that, you know, again, being from New York, they all spoke like we did. It felt like a New York movie because they were all New York kids. And that's why they sounded the way they did. It was all fucking very real as far as like their behaviors, their, their dialogue, the way they spoke is how we all spoke. And, you know, that just is what it is. Um, what I do have to give Green credit for, and, you know, because I was watching this, it's funny that he always goes so extreme with the gore. But the yeah. one thing, like, we noticed and we're laughing about as we were watching it, because at the time the little monster was still with us in the movie, you know? So the first girl, she comes up, she whips out her boobs. But Adam Green doesn't show them. Now, in no. so many other horror movies, you're taking that cheap shot and you're showing those boobs because, you know, who watches most of these movies? Uh, you know, what do guys really like? Boobs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. I hope I'm still with you guys. Um, so, yeah, you know, you guys love the boobs. And then obviously, you know, you pull out the dick. Now, you know, you're less likely to get the dick shown on screen because that tends to, to create ratings issues and shit like that. But again, really, I don't yeah. think Adam Green's worried about that considering the amount of blood and gore and dismemberment that he puts in the movie. I just love the fact that he keeps it to the horror and doesn't go for the cheap nudity. Right. Yeah, it's, it's something to be respected. The fact that he does go for the gore, he does go for the comedy, but he keeps the nudity to a minimum because he wants you to be there for the comedy and for the gore. You know, and, and again, Puss Rose playing Kathleen, the agent, is fucking hilarious when she breaks out her whole fucking tray of pills on the plane. She's like, what you need? I got it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? And the fact that she sleeps with the entire fucking plane crash, <laughs> like, like an angel, just sitting behind, you know, Andrew, just completely asleep is hilarious. Like an angel. She sounded like the scene. <laughs> I know. Snoring away. But you also get um, uh, the, 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 uh, the crew... For Sabrina's TV show, Sabrina was uh, obviously Andrew's ex-wife, and she's going to be the one that's going to the swamp to, to interview him on location for what we know from Kathleen for a million dollars. And how could you fucking turn down a million dollars to go? So that's why Andrew reluctantly agrees to go back, because you, just, you can't turn down that kind of money. And I don't blame him. Well, yeah, except for the fact that we find out that there's no way that he was getting a million dollars. You know, so yeah, we've got whatever yeah, deal we've got, that, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, whatever deal yeah, that was, played them, and I like that. obviously fake. Well, again, they do what you they know. do. That they, you know, they they had to get him out there. They they knew it was a way to make a couple of bucks, and and that's that. As his agent, you know, she needs to make money, and she's only making money if he makes money. So she could tell him a million, yeah. but you know, and if he's making a hundred thousand, and she's getting ten to thirty percent of it, well, she made money. Mm-hmm. And you get introduced to the crew. You have uh, Austin, 
played by Brian Quinn of Impractical Jokers fame, the, you know, the Staten Island boy, you know, then you get uh, Casey played by the lovely Tiffany Jeffers, you know, who's the fantastic. We love she Tiffany. Does, but, you know, a She's so trauma awesome. girl, true and true. <laughs> but the whole, awesome the whole head is. We, again, another person we love hanging out with at the cons, you know, because she's just... Oh, Tiffany Jeffers is such a sweetheart. Yeah. She's, so, she's so fun. Um, and, yeah. yes, this actually... When we do start getting a little bit forward, it's gonna. It does. So this movie proved a point to me that uh, that I, it makes me feel bad. Fat guys can get it. What? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Big guy. boys can oh, get it. Uh, you know. Q Q is yeah. awesome though, man. Come on. We all love impractical <laughs> jokers. I mean, I know I do. I'm sure you do. I don't know if the deans ever really followed them or not. Absolutely. Yeah. No. I enjoy it. I, I have, You know, I might have seen an episode here and there, but it's traditionally it's not something that the, that I have watched. There were. Dude, you should check it out. There are a bunch of Staten Island fucking friends. Oh, I know what it is. Do these, I know. These I know stupid exactly fucking things. They're awesome. They're, they they yeah. are great, man. It's a great fucking crew. We saw the movie. I took because uh, Sammy's a big big fan of the series, and uh, we went and saw the oh, movie when it premiered and shit. So, but the uh, the whole thing with with getting onto the private jet and going to the swamp, you find out that you know there's engine problems on the plane, but it's also the playing of the curse the voodoo curse that was placed upon the Crowley household. And that's the one thing that you should never fucking say because in every fucking horror movie, when you do something, it's going to bring the killer back ostensibly. It's going to come back bigger and better than ever. So they play it through a cell phone just so they can get the wording right for their fake trailer. Uh, Chloe Rose, Dylan, the, the master actor of, of Honey Island Swamp, you know, and they're watching this thing. And that's when the plane decides to crash, just as you get the final moments of the curse being read by none other than Reverend Zombie, Tony Todd. Which I thought it was so cool if they got a little cameo from Tony Todd. Which, again, if you didn't see the other movies, you wouldn't understand the importance of him in particular. Because, you know what, he's the one at that point that his, I believe his recitation is the one that summons Victor Crowley back. Yeah, because I don't know if it was in actually one of the movies or if it was just online, but I remember somebody saying a while ago that Reverend Zombie, he's the only one that could actually say the curse correctly, and that's why he is so important, because he could bring back Victor Crowley whenever he wants. You could kill him, but Zombie could just bring him back with the curse. So that's why he has a lot of power, you know, that you don't really know about. So that might have been just a conversation I saw on, online. I don't know if it was in any it's of the movies. the curse. But it is a curse. He's got a death curse. And, <laughs> yeah. and the, the plane crashing, you get the one assistant getting sucked out of the window, the makeup guy flying into the fucking door. And then for the rest of the movie, you just see his shoes light up because they're like those special glow kinds. So throughout the rest of the movie, you just see him blinking <laughs> throughout the movie, which I thought was great continuity by Adam Green to have those things blinking constantly throughout the entire movie. I just love when they fucking go to check on him to see if he's okay. And oh, yeah. You okay, His ass in his entrails. Oh, you don't want to see that, dude. You don't want to see that. Um... But now Victor Crowley's back. The plane has crashed. Uh, Chloe, Rose, uh, Alex, and Dylan are aware of it, so they're going to check for survivors and get everybody out of the plane. But Victor's out there. So you know, we all got to fucking run and hide. And this is what I love that the ghoul put up on our Instagram page. We're talking there. You know, having the little monster watching the scene where the light's going on and off because motion sensors. So they don't know if Victor's out there. They think that they're safe, even though there's no door on it. So Alex and Chloe are kind of catching their breath. And that's when Victor shows up grabs a hammer and goes to town on Alex's face. Yep. Brilliant. Uh, 
Time yeah, somebody she, to uh, get beat with a hammer, man. Yeah, that's, that, that's how it's done. And, uh, yeah, I got I give the kid credit. That that was about as long as, as she lasted in the movie. Um, she was already shitting her pants when the lights were going on and off. Yeah. She has seen enough of the movies that we watch to now know that that's something signaling a jump scare. Um, and that's something that she hates. Like, she doesn't like gore. She doesn't like jump scares. She likes horror movies, but she just doesn't like those two things. So when you put the two of them together, it was like, <laughs> okay, the jump scare happened, and she's just like, you know, literally as she's saying, it's not going to be a lot of blood, right, as he's just going to town with that fucking hammer and just passing <laughs> away in the blood. And, yeah, she just the head went into the, into the hands. And there was, as soon as the scene was, like, just a little bit of a breather, she just got up and walked out of the room. She's like, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> just the fact that it's not, good, it's not enough for Victor Crowley just to bash this guy's head in with a hammer. He's got to take the quine and then pry his fucking head off with it. And just mm-hmm. all that fucking blood squirting out. I was like, thank God. I mean, that's look, that's how, that's, how he, that's how he does it, man. Like, that was what, like, when I think back to uh, when I first saw the, the first hatchet for the first time, it was at a time when kind of this kind of slasher, like, you know, wasn't happening all that much. And, you know, the, the, the spray and the bloodshed and the fun, like, it wasn't the kind that goes for, like, that, that real, like, visceral, like, realistic gore. It's like the fun, splattery spray, cartoony gore um, that doesn't have that fake CGI look to it. It just looks fun. And that's one of the things that yeah. I remembered uh, with all of the kill sequences from the first Hatchet. Like, when I think back to that movie, and, you know, I don't remember all that much about it. I don't remember the actors, although the kid who was uh, JP, the, the robot from Grandma's Boy, was in it. Um, yeah. Like, I just my memories of it are that it was just so much fun, um, you know, and that's, and that's what Victor Crowley does, you know? Yeah. And it's cause it, Victor isn't quite like Jason where Jason can be violent. Victor kind of turns it up to 11, you know, when it can only go up to 10 and, and he's also kind of smart because in this movie you get to see that he can plant a trap pretty well because Chloe does survive to a certain point until Victor decides to use her by smashing her head into all the uh, windows of the jet. And then laying her out and just waiting for somebody to come out. Even though Andrew knows it's a trap, of course, Rose wants her friend to be saved. So Dylan, he's going to go out there. And he's like, hey, listen, when I get back, I get a kiss. And she kisses him anyway and says, well, if you get back, and my best friend, I'll marry you. And he's like, I love you even though you have a dick. Yeah. I, I told you I had a dick, but I don't have one. I don't have a dick. <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> this man has no dick. <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, it's just it, because you get two for one in that particular scene because you have Kathleen completely fucking panicking because she's getting claustrophobic because she's got to fucking leave. So she decides to run out and is only caught by Victor where she gets an arm ripped off and then it gets shoved right up her pussy and out of her mouth. Like what, my favorite death of the entire movie is Kathleen. Just because of how fucking insane it is. <laughs> like, just, it's all practical. I just love the dick reference. I love the dick reference. <laughs> It's just such a great little mm-hmm. in-joke. You know, <laughs> I don't really have a dick. You know, and you're talking about <laughs> having a movie with Felissa Rose in it, who, has, yeah. she said, when, we, when I met her, she said, you wouldn't imagine the amount of times people ask me if I actually have a dick. You know, because she's, she's yeah. obviously not a man. 
you know, spoilers if you haven't seen fucking Sleepaway Camp, but I don't think it, I think at this point, if yeah, you listen no, to this I feel show, at this point, you've seen Sleepaway Camp. I can't say anything about spoilers. That movie came out like 30 fucking years ago. Like, there's no, <laughs> yeah. there's no spoiler rule when it comes to something that was made in the 1980s. You know, like, I, even, though, like, currently, unfortunately, like, I, I do feel like know I'm friends with young people that have not seen that movie yet, so I do feel bad that I did spoil the ending, because I do know some specific people that do sometimes listen to this show that have not seen that film, but I'll make sure they watch it the next time they come over. But, yeah, it's it's her getting the, the her own arm shoved through her vagina, up through her mouth, with the phone still clutching. But then you get to see Rose vomit against the window, like as like a capper, like everybody's screaming and she just pukes up against the window. <laughs> of course, that's a natural reaction. I just, you know, I laughed at it just because I was like, of course that would happen. You just watch this gory thing happen and you get that extra kind of moment. Um, but it's also Chloe outside where Victor decides they're not coming out, so I'm just gonna fucking just curb her face. And again, I give credit for Adam for using practical effects, because there's no CGI being used. It's all just, you know, makeup effects and gore, and it just, it looks good. Even that head stomp. It wasn't like, oh, that's such a cheesy effect. It actually worked, for me anyway. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, well, like I said, like, it's just, it makes it, because it's practical, like, regardless of the quality, like, he's obviously not going for the look of realism, you know? Like, it's just, it's just fun. And, you know, when there are films or contemporary horror films that do play up the gore factor, uh, like something like I just happened to catch for the first time, and I've seen it now like a couple of times because it's been in the rotation, uh, the sequel to the like the Piranha remake, the Piranha, like Piranha, like three double Piranha D or whatever. The, yeah, whatever. No, 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 no. The, the, the not, not, not the okay. original. I'm talking about like the, oh, the, the contemporary okay, yeah. version, the one with yeah. David Hasselhoff, and, and the, but the mm-hmm. sequel to the remake. Like, yeah, I've seen that one. Like, that yeah. was super fun. But like all, that's it's all CGI. Like it doesn't have like if if it was the exact same movie, but they used actual like fake blood flying everywhere, it would have been way more fun. And that's why this why this is so much fun to me. Like take away you know the quality of the actors and whatever, all of that stuff. Like I can put that aside because of what this film is, and it has that yeah. added layer of like all right, these people are actually covered in something that got thrown on them from a bucket. You know, like it's not done in post production with software. Right, yeah, and it, it just it makes it for a more enjoyable movie for me. Um, but I also do like the end joke about how uh, ten years ago he used that gas power sander, and who would ever fucking keep a fucking sander outside for like ten years? And lo and behold, he found it and is now using it on the fucking jet. <laughs> like it's just it's Adam Green's just that kind of weird humor that I just appreciate. Like, cause who would leave a fucking gas powered fucking sander outside for ten years? Somebody did, cause they memorialized fucking Victor Crowley in the swamp. With the shit. Well, that's what we do. You know, we uh, obviously, listen, they, they are running the camp, the, you know, the, the, the tours of the swamp. For what? To capitalize on that. You know, we, we well, do this. Dolls we and do stuff this. like that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a normal societal thing. So, of course, the belt sander is going to be there. And it's going to be functional. Probably of course a fucking it is. power sander. Yeah, yeah. probably, probably a power sander, too. So it must have had, like, the world's longest cord. Yeah. Well, yeah, because that's, I mean, it looked gas-powered to me. It didn't look like there was any cord, but, I mean, that's, I think oh. in, in Hatchet 1, I think Adam Green talks about how they created a gas-powered uh, sander for the movie, and then they didn't use it. They ended up using it in Part 2. But, um, but to me, 
you know, you're watching Victor go around and killing all these people and the fucking glorious blood and guts and gore. But, like, you have one of the saddest deaths in this movie, and that's Casey, because she's strapped underneath the seats and she's drowning right before she tells everybody that she's fucking pregnant. And the weight of the, the jet and everything causes her to slowly drown underneath the water. It's like, that's weird, but also kind of cool, the fact that he put in such a sad kind of death, where it's not Victor Crowley's fault that she died, but kind of is. Well, this is what I was talking about before, whereas, okay, normally in a horror movie, right, you have the, you always have, like, these types of characters. They always try to give you a character that they make sympathetic in some way, and, and that's that. You know, I think they could have gotten away with Casey just drowning. She didn't even need to Maybe. be pregnant. That just, like, added, yeah, like, yeah. an extra layer of absurdity to me. Because I thought it was already, it's like already bad enough that the poor fucking girl is trapped and she's going to slowly drown. Right. Like, that is just a shitty way to go. Um, but the fact, too, though, like, and again, normally it's like, okay, Kurt Russell at the end of Poseidon. There's a great, you know, example of a drowning sequence where it's like, oh, man, that's mm. fucking, that's hardcore. That's some hard shit right there. But you know what? The fact that it was Tiffany Shepard, somebody who like, I've, I've like, hung out with, I've spent some right. time with, you know, like we've actually had conversations. She actually performs the role really well. And it's, yeah, I thought like, so. Yeah, I've seen her in other things, and I've seen her, you know, have like times where I'm like, oh, okay, I guess she can kind of act, you know. This, she actually like straight up like got me. I was like, holy fuck. You know what? I actually yep. feel bad for this fucking girl right now. Right? Uh, yeah. That's so, what I'm saying. So yeah, it's so weird. When the, when the ghoul girl looked over when she saw that she was trapped, she goes, she's not going to fucking drown, is she? And I'm just like, oh. you'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially because Austin, earlier in the film, when he goes outside, he gets scalped by Victor. And then his fucking brains fall out and his scalp lands right on top of her face. Like, adding insult mm-hmm. to injury. <laughs> his fucking hair. And what the fuck is that? And nothing. <laughs> And Dylan just shouts at his fucking brains. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, you try, just, it just, his humor is so great. It's just my level of humor. Uh, gallows humor, I should say. I mean, I'm a big fan of dark humor. But um, with, with uh, Dylan now runs to the cockpit to see if he could raise up one of the engines to see if maybe they could possibly even get Victor to be sucked into this particular engine after trying to raise everybody on the radio where he goes through every fucking military rank you could possibly think of that he's a part of, and nobody really, you know, uh, you know, I'm a commandant, I'm a captain, I'm a corporal, I'm an admiral, like, and all these things. Um, everybody else breaks loose from the plane. So Andrew and Sabrina and Rose are running through the woods trying to evade Victor. Uh, Andrew thought he could maybe stave off Victor for a little while with his little knife. Not going to happen. Um, what I really liked was Rose when she's in the tree. And she, they have a great push on Laura Ortiz's face, and you see the tears falling, and that's what gets Victor's attention when it falls on the leaves on the ground. Like, a, a teardrop is enough for Victor to turn around and go, what the fuck? Like, I, I really did enjoy that. Well, he's, he's in tune, man. That's why. Well, it was great tension, and I thought. You know, for a fun slasher, Adam kind of does build good tension at some point in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, think, yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we've seen him do it in Frozen. You know, like, we know that Adam can do all of this stuff, you know, which, 
I guess that that's the one thing. I really wish in a lot of ways that he didn't go so far with the comedy in this one, you know, but I guess mm-hmm. maybe that's just that was the direction he wanted to take it. Maybe. I mean, because he does sprinkle it around. I mean, for some reason, I thought when uh, they first get on the jet and you have Adam Green and Jill Lynch as the pilots, but they're doing that typical pilot thing of, uh, you know, it's a flight, and he keeps fucking hitting the button. So every time they fucking mm-hmm. put their headphones like back some, in, he's got another announcement. Yeah, like something out of that. <laughs> every single time they thought it was over, like he would pop another one on, you know, and I thought that was just, you know, well, how are we going to get to the swamp from there? Well, we're not going there. <laughs> like, you know, it just, it, it was just, you know, like that I appreciate. Who won? Jack, Jack and Rose. Yeah, it was uh, Adam Green and Joe Lynch, you know, the director and his best friend, Joe Lynch, who has directed a number of films that are really good, uh, like Nights of Bad Aspen and Mayhem, with Stephen Yoon and Samara Weaving, which might be a pick of mine, you know, in the upcoming weeks. But I do love that movie. I thought it was Jack um, and Diane. But, was little Diddy about Jack and Diane? Maybe. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, with them running, you have Rose in the tree. You have Andrew trying to chase around Victor to get everybody away from him. But they also have Sabrina, who steals the phone that Rose got from the hand of Kathleen and then runs away with it. And you think, well, you know, bitch, chep a character. I was hoping that she would have more of a violent death than she did. But, I mean, I guess it was serviceable. It was Victor kind of knocking around with the hatchet that he had. But I was kind of hoping for a little bit more blood a little bit more gore with hers because she was such a bitch and an annoying character throughout the entire movie. You kind of wanted to have something good. Mm-hmm. Good deed. But it was, yeah, the little Arwen, which I thought was a great call to his dog. Uh, the, the boat called the little Arwen because that's his little Yorkie, you know, that he loves more than anything. Oh, ever yeah, seen I, anything. And I automatically think Arwen, I'm thinking Lord of the Rings, you know? Well, that's why he named it, yeah. That's why he you named it. You shall not pass. Because he's we, a fan of Lord of the Rings. and We yeah. met the dog. The dog was at the con with him. Oh, she's such a sweetheart, yeah. But this is probably the one that I was at, too. But yeah, And she does have a cameo in the movie. She's being held by a woman at the bookstore. But again, it's one of, the, it's again, it's one of those Easter eggs, though. That you have to be a fan of Adam breaking, Green again. Because you like, what the fuck? Breaking news right now for anybody out there that cares. Mike Pence is speaking at the moment, in case you did want to go and actually listen to something important. Oh, man, and we were talking about how much we don't care about politics <laughs> earlier on. Mother, mother gave him permission? Um, yeah. so. Like I said, man, it's not a matter of taking any side. I'm just saying that, you know what, listen to both <laughs> yeah. and then make your own fucking decision. That's all. He's just the human embodiment of a glass of milk. Like, there's just nothing to that person. Like, he literally is a horror movie character. I yeah, somebody's got to make a movie. <laughs> yeah. Looks like Reverend Kane from fucking both the guys too. Uh, indeed. <laughs> so, but anyway. yeah, so there, there you go. If you if you don't like what we're talking about with Victor Crowley, you can just go over and then watch that. That's fun. But we're going to continue on with Victor Crowley. So yeah, uh, Sabrina ends up dying at the hands of Victor right when she gets into Little Arwen, the boat uh, that uh, was waiting for them the entire time but couldn't quite be of any use to them. Um, so now Rose goes back to the plane with Crowley running after her. And this is where you kind of get I mean, another funny moment for me is when you have, you know, the, the, everybody has to have the one-liner when they try to kill Victor. You know, where, where Rose finally has the hands on Victor's hatchet and she says, though I may be little, I am fierce. And completely fucking misses Victor with the hatchet. 
I mean, just it lands like five feet short of the intended target. Uh, you know, any other movie, it probably would have landed and probably would have hit him. But the fact that it, it's Victor Crowley, it didn't. It didn't work. Five, five feet, man. He missed that shit by a hell of a lot more than that. You got to take into account drop and velocity. You know, shit. <laughs> He needed like another ten easy on that fucking thing, but uh, yeah, no. Was it further? Fucked that up. I don't know. Because well, I thought it like it landed so close that he could pick it up. Yeah, but it kind of hit the ground and then slid a little bit too. But you got to figure oh, out okay. if they made it. If it made it six feet, it's hitting him in the foot. If he threw it seven feet, it's gonna hit him in like the shin or his knee. Eight feet, now, you know, if you're gonna hit him, you got to hit him to fucking take him out. So you know, like like Thanos said. You should have went for the head. <laughs> yeah. I am Groot. Well, and that's what. Yes, he is Groot. But that's the fun. No. Because you have Andrew Not with the flare gun. And he has that perfect shot where he hits Victor right in the face with the flare. And when Dylan goes, nice shot, he goes, well, I was aiming for his balls. But it's like, still, you got him. <laughs> Make that next shot count, man. Make it count. Make it worth it. And it fucking completely misses. It goes right over the fucking engine. <laughs> it's just, it's right perfect. Over. To me, that's right just, over Victor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just leaving Victor to just stare at them like, what the fuck are you guys trying to do? You can't kill me. Like, you know, good job. You know, you miss, you hit me with the flare once, but you miss me the second time. You can't hit me with the hatchet. So, Andrew just decides to, to kind of punt him right into the engine, but he doesn't go all the way through because he's not strong enough. So, he's just, Victor's just kind of stuck. And he's just not quite in the turbine. He's just kind of stuck there. And, well, what else can you do? So fucking Dylan decides he's going to save the day. And he goes, he turns to Rose and says, I would have had your babies. Oh, Dylan. <laughs> you know, we didn't deserve your kindness. Let <laughs> me just tap yeah. him. I love that little tap. He, <laughs> he was a clown. That's for shit sure, man. Like yeah, when he, he had he all those fucking uh, headshots. <laughs> and this is just in black and white, in case you want one. And I felt like he was almost like a, a, a comic-y, like he was like almost making fun of Bruce Campbell to a weird degree, you know? Like that's kind of what I oh, felt yeah. he was going yep. for. Oh, I definitely felt that. Like definitely a Bruce Campbell vibe, you know, a guy that, you know, is definitely trying to be an actor, but he's in the middle of fucking nowhere, you know? Um I, earlier in the film when, you know, Casey's trapped and he's like, oh, your boyfriend, I'm sorry, he's dead. I'm still alive, asshole. He's alive. He's alive, everybody. I, I don't even know. Like, I thought he was the other guy. Like, yeah, that's right, I'm alive. Just <laughs> <laughs> like, a cool character, but with his sacrifice, that does have Victor being shoved right into the turbine engine and both men die, which you think this is the end that it's going to be the final thing. And I love how you have Rose on the ground, you know, crying about what just happened with Dylan. But the final line in this movie is Andrew Young is going, fuck! Like, I just, I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's it just how you cuts get the right credit. to credits, man. I forget, yeah, you yep. know what, I forgot that's how it ended. You know, I was figuring that we'd get the, the typical, like, Dylan, because I haven't watched it since we first got it. So that was back in 2017. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so so when Dylan runs him through, 
And then it's like, okay, you're going to figure that out right. Now they're going to have to, you know, work their way to wherever, or it's going to fade, and they're going to cut to, like, you know, I don't know, a scene in a police station somewhere or something to that effect. Nope. Nope. There's just that, that big old fucking F-bomb, and uh, bam, music. You get right into the igniter, that fucking hair metal fucking band that was created a couple of years ago with the ballad of Victor Crowley. I mean, talk about a face burner fucking song to end this movie right as a fuck line. But then you get a cutscene of the aftermath, which I always appreciate in horror movies. I don't think they show them enough. Like, aftermath of a massacre. Like, they, they did it back in the 80s with the, the Friday 13th movies. But I feel like they kind of let it go, where you get to see the body bags and the police investigation, and you see Andrew and Rose covered with, get you know, a body jacket. bag! <laughs> yep. Put them in a body bag, yeah, fucking victim, you got it. But um, I always liked it, and I like the fact that he did this. But it was also to show you, if you're a fan of the series, Daniel Harris returning as Mary Beth. You know, grabbing the shotgun, you know, I'm coming for you, motherfucker. Like, you know, so yeah, if you're a fan of the series, you, you appreciate that. If you've never seen it before, you might be a little bit confused. But then again, maybe you didn't even bother to watch. You know, like I was going to ask uh, the Bean. Did you watch that scene with, with Daniel Harris? Yes, I did. And what I'm curious about is, so you put in this scene, which, so, you know, for, for, you know, the filmmaking tactic is to, you know, wet your whistle and leave things open-ended for more in the story. Uh, I'm assuming, and, I, uh, and then I went and looked, that Daniel Harris's character uh, was in, you know, previous editions of Hatchet and learned that she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I don't know anything about her character, what her capacity was. Uh, you know, she's been waiting, motherfucker. But with she was played the, by somebody the, else in the, in first, the first one, yeah, movie in, in the yeah. very first movie. But she was in Daniel Harris was that character in part two and part three. Now, that's yeah. correct. Uh, so, I guess my my question now then is, uh, if If Victor Crowley, uh, you know, we watched him go through the engine of an airplane, uh, how will there be more Victor Crowley for Daniel Harris? Or uh, does that have to do with the relationship that she has with um, with uh, um, what's his name's character uh, with? Uh, Andrew Young with uh, Perry Shen. Perry Shen's character is there something between them that she's been waiting for Perry Shen, or is because I didn't see the previous hatchets, uh, or is no, she waiting? Victor Crowley. Was she waiting for Victor Crowley? Okay. Victor Crowley. Yeah, got it. Yeah, Victor Crowley yeah, killed her father and her brother. That's the whole reason she's after him. Yeah, we saw him go through an engine, but you know, just like any horror movie, she knows if he's back, he's back. <laughs> well, it's like it. we we had said earlier. The way to bring back Victor Crowley is to recite the voodoo curse. So as long as you can recite that voodoo curse, you could always bring him back. It doesn't matter if you fucking blow him up or throw him through the airplane engine like in this movie. He can come back if you recite the curse. He's a ghost. He's not a physical being. So that's why, you know, even though he can kill, you know, just like Michael and Jason, you know, he still can come back throughout any circumstances. So, yeah, you know, Adam Green, if he decides to do another hatcher, I know he said he wants to. He can very easily bring Victor Crowley back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously. Got it. I mean, I think there's a place for it. 
it's an old school style horror movie, you know, an old 80s style slasher. Uh, I think 110% there is absolutely room for more of these films. And I, I just, I love them, you know, because Adam Green, like we've all met him, you know, he's a hell of a fucking nice guy and he fucking works on low budgets. It's not like he's got a Hollywood money, but the effects are there. The love of the genre is there. And I think that's what's lacking in a lot of new horror films is this, the appreciation for the genre itself. And, he clearly just embraces it, and I fucking love the hell out of him. I was watching his Corona uh, Apocalypse videos on YouTube during the quarantine, where he was on YouTube every day live, streaming movies and shorts, and just keeping everybody entertained while everybody's locked away in quarantine. So, again, I can't say enough about Adam Green. But what I can say is that next week, the Mad Monkey makes his mad return to Talking Terror, and he's bringing a film pick with him. And he's going to be bringing 13 Ghosts. The remake by Steve Beck along with him. So we're going to see how we handle that one uh, next week. It's been a long time since I saw 13 Ghosts with Matthew Willard and uh, Tony Shaloub and uh, uh, F. Murray Abraham. But we're going to talk about it next week. Indeed, indeed. And, uh, All right, then. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to that one, too. I remember liking it when it, uh, when it had come out. So, And uh, I, I already know what some of my... My other thoughts are towards it. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I haven't seen it in a number of years. I'm excited. Very excited. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah, also excited yeah, about? What's that? I'm also excited about this weekend, seasons one and two of Cobra Kai dropping. Oh, so <laughs> exciting. I'm so very excited Gordy. about that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, so that's something else to stay tuned for this weekend. Uh, but all right, Dean, thank you so much for joining us tonight to talk about Victor Crowley. We hope you have you here next week for 13 Ghosts. Uh, I plan to be here. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, right. Ghoul, aside from the big weekend ahead of Cobra Kai Seasons 1 and 2, why don't you hit us with a plug as we close out the show? Well, you can go on over to Etsy. Put in the search engine, Bonfire Bee Designs, all in one word. And you're going to find yourselves handcrafted jewelry, gemstones, bracelets, necklaces, pendants, all of that kind of stuff. The ghoul girl works her ass off making this stuff day in, day out. And when people buy stuff, she gets happy. You know, she feels like her art's getting spread around. And when she's happy, I'm happy because that means I get more sex. And we all want the ghoul to get more sex, I think. I'm not sure, though. Um... So please, I don't care. Continue to do it. Well, <laughs> yeah, I know. F you, I'm man. Um, but anyway, though, I want you to have as much as you can. Have as much as you can. If all of us are doing more of that, then there'll be a hell of a lot less hate in this world, okay? That's all we need to do. We just all need to be fucking. The world needs to be embraced in fuck, okay? Not in hate. Fuck, not hate. Go to Etsy. Yes. Bonfire Bee Designs, all one word. And then stay scared. But don't hate. That's fuck. right. No hate, just fucking. And as for me, I'm your old pal, the King Har uh, G, saying, Hail Satan, hail yourselves, hail that wet-ass pussy. You know that whack. Gotta love it. See you back here next week for 13 Ghosts. Have a good week, everybody.